Good morning, everybody. Good morning. So I'm not certain if I'm supposed to have a little lapel thing or how this is supposed to play out. Actually, I'm probably supposed to be sending it to the camera because Alan was like, we need to record this one this time. Because last time I was here, we, uh, we didn't get it recorded, but it's okay. I believe that God spoke last time, and I believe God's going to speak this time. Um, I'm truly excited to be here. I really, really am. I'm excited to, to bring you the Word of God. Um, I laughed and joked with my wife this morning, and I said I'm taking it back old school. I was leaving the house this morning, and, and Heavenly Father said, Hey, before you touch that doorknob, I want you to go upstairs and change. Because I had my comfy pants on, and I had my short sleeve shirt on, which rocked my cool tattoos. I was going to drop on my orange shoes which my beautiful wife just purchased me, my vans, which I love. And he said, I want you to go upstairs and change. And, and I'm certain that it's fitting for the message this morning. So I brought this here. This is called a paperback Bible. It's kind of strange, I know, right? I joke with my wife all the time and I say, hey, we should never as preachers from the pulpit say that the things of God are weird or strange. This isn't strange, it's the word of God. Amen. The things of God are not weird, they're the things of God. The conviction of the Lord is a good thing, it's not a bad thing. Like the Holy Spirit, the evidence in speaking in other tongues, which I'm not speaking on today, but the evidence of speaking in other tongues is the Holy Spirit gives utterance, as Acts says, is not weird or strange, it's the Bible. Mm. So when we come into a line and in relationship with the word of God, we start to discover some things that that what we perceived as weird and strange were only our perceptions. So what might be weird and what might be strange is the way that I see things. Mm. But if I begin to allow my life to be soaked over by this word, then it starts to change things in me. It starts to change the way that I see things. It starts to give me a perception or a reality shift, right? Maybe from my perception to what is real. I went to type out my message this morning and all of my notes and stuff, and I went to, to go ahead and do it because I'm a horribly slow typer with my thumbs. So I like to push the button and I like to speak it. And the Lord said, which I don't know why this part gets me emotional, it's all right, buddy. But he said, I want you to handwrite it. Mm. So if I can't read my writing, it's God's fault. I'm just telling you right now. <laughs> Love you, Dad. He's a good father. I'm not even sure why he asked me to handwrite the message, other than the fact that it's much more personal. It's much more impactful. When it started coming pen to paper, started to come to life, and it became it became real to me, much like the word became real to me so long ago. It's awkward to see me up here in a suit, but if you would have seen me 20 years ago when I started this adventure of following the Lord and preaching his word and seeking after him and dedicating my life and saying yes to the consequence, and I say yes, the consequence of preaching because Sometimes this comes with a price. You would have seen me in the suit. I was raised up in the suit and I was raised that way for a reason out of the reverence and the fear of the Lord. 
God is so good, you guys. So supernaturally good. So there's going to be some flipping between the pages and flipping between what I read here. So if there's any small little pauses, go ahead and use those moments to reflect on what I just said. Call, we'll just call those Selah moments. We'll call those pause moments, right? So we're going to start our reading in Psalms 34 and 8. Psalms 34, and I need to get this down from here because I need to hold it. I can't be coming back to the mic the whole time. Yes, sir. Free me. Loose me, Lord. Jesus, before I read this scripture, I just ask you to utilize these lips of clay. I yield my yes to you. I give myself as a vessel to be used, Jesus. And in that using, God, let my heart be open and aware of the word. Anything said, Jesus, that, it, that my life doesn't align with God, let my life first be the one that falls underneath the conviction of that word to be aligned with. In Jesus' mighty name, I love you guys love so you. very much. Love you, and uh, Psalms 34 and 8 says, and I'm just going to read this because I love this scripture. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him lack nothing, it says in Psalms 34 and 9. Excuse me, sorry. Now, any tissue in the house? I would love some. And also, if I can have my, uh, my drink, it's behind the door. Laura Bell, please. Um, I want to express today and highlight God. I want you to examine yourselves as I express and highlight God and ask yourself big questions. It is my hope that you get the full picture of God's holiness today. Thank you, bro. So good. Thanks, brother. That you get the full picture of God's holiness. That, um, that if lost, if you have lost a fear of the Lord or a godly reverence, that it be reestablished in you. And finally, to give you a good look at our responsibility, or what to do, rather, with this understanding of the holiness of God. 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16. And stand by with me real quick. I'm going to take my Bible out of the, the case. It'll be easier to, easier to go and flip through. All right, here we go. 1 Peter 1. 15 and 16 says, but just as he would call you holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. So we see right there in that very first scripture that he's calling you to holiness. And then like a good father, not like a, and I don't say that a bad father is one that doesn't explain because oftentimes I give instructions to my children when they were little and they would always ask the question, why? Why would be the backup to whatever I was going to say in instruction? Why do the dishes? Why clean my room? Why do I need to brush my teeth? Why, 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 why? And so you obviously, as a good parent, explain those situations. When I was a kid, the explanation was because I said so. I agree, amen. Yeah, there was, there was no further explanation needed in the 1980s as you were a child. It was because I said so, or there's uh, stiff consequences coming behind the action. But nowadays, 
whenever Laura and myself had kids, she was like, no, you're not your parents and you cannot beat my children. We have to explain to them. So we started to explain to them, well, you need to brush your teeth because if you don't, they'll fall out. Mm -hmm. Right? It's okay today to laugh. As serious as today's going to get, it's okay to have a few moments of laughter. It's going to help us. It's going to it's going to ease us right into the tough stuff. Okay. So God explains it. He says, "Be holy." He's not just telling you to be holy. He says, "You're like, why, God? Do I need to represent holiness? And what exactly is that?" He says, "Well, you need to represent holiness because I myself am holy. How do we know that God is holy?" In Revelation, the Bible says that cherubims of fire go around the throne on a constant and say, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which is, which was, and which is to come. Holy, holy, and it just repeats and it repeats, and it's a constant circle of flames around the holiness of God. Here's the, here's the representative part that's missed in that, that I brought into this church as a glimpse one time when we were leading worship last time that I want to highlight this morning, is that the cherubims are made of fire. I'm not sure if you know this, Laura and myself, you, you do, I'm saying that in jest. Laura and myself were camping this weekend and I'm, I'm looking at the fire and I'm talking to my wife and I'm like, man, fire amazes me. It amazes me because it has its own nature. If you don't know that, like when a forest fire starts, it creates its own wind, right? There could be no wind in sight and a forest fire raging and it is an inferno of raging hurricane force winds inside of the fire, which continues to fuel the fire and blow the fire. So the fire becomes at a certain point in time self-containing and self-fueling it amazes me the power of fire look at a mountainside that's been ravished go to yellowstone and read the little plaque that says hey this mountainside was 150 years ago lit up by fire and there's still not a tree to be seen because the amount of heat that was represented on the ground has charred the ground so bad that trees will never grow here again right so fire has this destructive cleansing ability, but yet the angels of fire cover their eyes because they cannot look upon the holiness of God. Because he is so good, so pure, and so true that if they were to look at him, the consuming pureness of fire would be consumed itself and extinguished. Wow. They cover their feet with the set of their wings. They have six wings and they cover their feet with a set of wings because they can't show God their uncleanness. Wait a minute. When when Holy Spirit told me that, I had to take a step back from myself and say, what? They can't show you their, their uncleanness, their fire. They are the purest next to God form of cleansing. Like, it leaves nothing unscathed. Fire is, is just pure. And it covers its feet. As to say, don't look upon my uncleanness. Holy God. So, good word, Peter. Be holy. <laughs> so I can be... So, because you're holy, that's that's great. Now, now explain to me, Peter. How do I how do I achieve this? Well, 
I think it's safe to say that at a level in which I live my life, how I treat and receive people, how I treat and receive my church family, at the level of commitment of service that I have to Jesus, displays how I perceive this statement. Does that make sense? At the level in which I operate my God life is at the level in which I perceive God's holiness. Because if I'm down here at this level and I'm operating at this level and I'm saying I'm comfortable at this level, I'm not reaching out to people, I go to church once in a while, I have some things in my life that I'm not satisfied with, but oh well, but you know what, this is, this is the level, but I'm a Christian. Now, hear me out. If you're convicted by something I'm saying, it's not that I'm convicting you or bringing conviction from the pulpit. That's not at all what today is about. But today is about if conviction comes to let it wash over you, to walk into that with grace and mercy and discover a deeper relationship with God. Uh, I prayed it, and I'm not lying to you when I prayed it. And I, I, I turned around and I was back there talking to God and I said, Dad, because he knows my prayer in which the level of commitment that I'm dissatisfied with, the level in which I know him and which I want to know him more. I made a commitment to him and I prayed, Jesus, when I saw a preacher friend of mine preaching and praying and preaching and praying, I said, I want to pray like Myron Smith prays. And man, I know how to touch God in prayer because I sought after that so deeply. I had awkward moments where I was like, I don't know if this is the way this goes, but I'm just going to start hashing this out with you. I'm going to start talking to you like you're closer than a brother. I'm going to start applying the word of God as scripture says to prayer in prayer. And then I'm going to meet you in that place. But I want a deeper relationship with God and the word. So when I start to say, when you allow the word of God to wash over your life, I'm talking first to me. So if something is convicting you, don't you know that something has already convicted me? Amen. I would never come to you from a place at this pulpit and say that greater am I, and here I am with this responsibility to bring lesser of you, the word of God. No, it's, it's the lesser of we and the greatness of God to be elevated into the greatness of his children. Mm. That's what these moments are about. Wow. So it's how I perceive God is the level in which I'm going to commit to God. Amen. It's kind of like the it's kind of like the statement in the Bible where it says water seeks its own level. Um, if you're aware of carpentry or if you're aware of a level at all, back in 1861 they created the spirit level. That's when the level was created. I'm sure that they had forms of leveling back way, way back in the Egyptian days with the pyramids and stuff. Or maybe a little wonky was okay. I'm not sure. But at the day that they decided that plumb and true had to be plumb and true, they created the spirit level, which was made with water and a bubble of air in the middle of it, right? And that, that, that bubble would flow to the, to the level point. So water seeks its own level. Let me caution you that the Bible also states that every way seems right to a man in his own eyes. So if every way seems right to me in my eyes, and I think that I have a perfectly fine level of relationship with God, then don't I have a perfectly fine level of relationship with God? Well, I truly never want to approach it like that. I truly want to say, God, 
where does my life line up inside these pages? Or when I read something inside these pages that really brings my heart to a place of like, oh wow, that I go ahead and yield to that. Proverbs 16 and 2. All a man's ways seem innocent to him, but, motive, but motives are weighed by the Lord. So even though every way may seem right to me in my own eyes, my heart is still going to be judged or weighed by God. He's still going to look at the measure in which I'm bringing this and the intention in which I'm bringing it. I find it fascinating, and, and I, it, it, it could just be me. So take this next part just as a, a philippism, okay, when it comes to the Word of God. Um, the Bible says that God will give you the intention or the desires of your heart, but the Bible also says that God is the only one who knows your heart. So what that tells me is, is oftentimes the things in which I perceive as the desires of my heart are deceptive are not truly the desires of my heart. Because he knows what my heart desires. And in that, the good things of the desires of the heart are the things that he's going to yield to me. He's not going to yield things even though I may want them or may seek after them heavily. He may not yield those to you based upon the harm that they'll do to you in the future. Amen. All good things come from the Father above. So when I say self-perceive, I'm asking, where have you gotten the information that has established your belief in the holiness of God? Is it based upon somebody telling you something about God? Is it based upon is it based upon only coming to church and hearing what the preacher has to say about God? Like where have you received your perception of the holiness of God? That then you could then model after it. Well, the only place I dare to tell you that you can find the true nature and the holiness of God is in his word. Right here. Not my word, promise. Right here. In his word. All understanding of God and then all of our obedience should be built upon the foundation of the word of God. Period. John 1 1 states that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. If we do not establish a relationship with the word, we're just a ship with no rudder on a course of destruction. Like floating this way, being like, oh, there's the North Star. Maybe someday we'll hit the North Star. I know we need to go north, but I don't know what's happening here. We're just tossed and turned by the toils of the toil and turns of the of the currents. Why? Because we have no foundation because we we because we're we're pushed into a corner and we have no defense they that dwell under the shadow of the almighty you see when you get close enough to god that you're dwelling in his shadow because you're like man i don't ever want to leave this word i want to be soaked in this word i told my wife i said babe i want to be soaked in the word i want to be a fountain of the word of god i want it to be so packed in me that it can't help but boil out of me in the time of need 
Because when I encounter a need on the streets, the only answer that's going to solidify the need that I encounter is the word of God. Is God himself. Is me connecting them with a, a kind word or, a, or an uplifting positive moment. That's good, man. That's great. If somebody needs encouragement or an uplifting positive moment, just being a good listener, that's amazing. The world needs good listeners. But you know what? If I do it outside of the scope of Holy Spirit and God intention, then I'm leaving the perfect person empty and without hope. I've given you a cracker when I could have given you a steak or a cow and taught you how to butcher it and have baby cows and butcher them. Like the relationship with God becomes meat to you, becomes meat and healing and hope to the people that you encounter. Becomes this, this moment of life source in them when you start to deliver it to them. You see, it's kind of like this. I don't have to Jesus Christ beat you down. I don't have to. I don't have to be like, you know what you need right now is you need a good old gospel kiss. But what I have to do is I have to represent Jesus according to his word, walk in his word and deliver his word in such a way that the person being and receiving it can receive it as life. So now I have a greater responsibility it's not just the word of God says, the word of God says, because if you don't have a foundational belief that the word of God says, then it's not going to matter that I tell you the word of God says. You have to first fall in love with the word to find that the word has power over your life. But if you deliver the word, if you are the hands and feet of Jesus walking, if you walk and you pray life over people and you pray healing over people, you're applying the word of God in their life when you start doing that. If you just settle down and listen to someone, you're, you're being Jesus at the well to the woman when he said, man, it's not your time. And he took the time to listen to her this way. She said, even the dogs get the scraps of the master's table. And that, can, that just moved the heart of Jesus so much so that he acted in a time that it wasn't supposed to be. You see, when you, when you settle in and you start proposing yourself to God, like, hey, listen here. Here's my proposal. I yield my whole self to you. I don't want any control. I don't want to, I don't want to, um, I don't want to wake up this way in the morning. I'm tired of anxiety. You know what? Proud. Mm. I'm proud of my wife. Mm -hmm. Because She's a seeker of different. If there's something going on in her life that doesn't align with the word, she actively pursues a way out. The Bible also talks about you're never trapped when you're with God, that he's the way maker. I guess I should get back to my notes. If we haven't aligned our lives with the word of God, there's no way for us to tell what lies deep in us. 
we have not committed our hearts to be judged by the word, how do we know what sin is? How then do we fully understand its consequences? Uh-oh. I said it. I said the word sin. wonder if Pastor Allen's going to come back to a lesser congregation. Uh -huh. Just kidding, just kidding, bro. I love you. I know you're going to watch this later. We as a people don't like the sin talk, but it's it's a talk that needs to be had. We need to, in our churches, from our pulpits, talk about the damaging nature of pornography. We need to, as men and women of God, encourage our friends and and if having been given the opportunity, talk about the destructive nature of gambling. We as people and children of God need to, need to monitor our, our judgmental or condemnation levels in which we delve out condemnation. We as children of God, or even, even as people who are seeking after a different lifestyle, if you're in this place and you don't know him and you want to know him better, this still applies to you. We need to, as a people, monitor, just as a people, not even as a Christian people, we as a people need to monitor our lewd behavior. We need to reel it in a little bit when it comes to the freedom of our bodies flailing it out there. So I came from a fundamentalist church, I guess. I didn't know that. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence and speaking in other tongues. And as all I knew is something happened inside of me. Something came to life. Because I lived in the dark. I worshipped the devil. I conjured demons. I hurt people. I didn't love. And I just sought after death and destruction. And then I met my wife. And she was given this package of mess of disaster and then I walked into a church with her before we got married and I ran outside and I sat on the porch because the presence of God was so real what happened to the days when we really 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 sought after the presence of God Laura do you remember the days when the music would be going and the presence of God would sweep into the house so thick that people would be getting healed and that that the sin would be laying down over here and that like there was this time where the presence of God was moving so much and this guy started pulling out a bottle of whiskey and cocaine and laying it on the altar and the preacher had enough gumption and goal to put up the microphone and say you know what I have nothing good to say here God is saving it all. But no, we come to this place in church where we're three on the tree. The preacher's got something fancy to say. Thanks for coming, God. I've got it from here. We as a people need to do like Paul said. Though, yes, grace and mercy covers your sin. Though Calvary was meant and the nails were taken that every person would be covered and every sin committed covered. But do we continue in sin? No. Paul says, though grace and mercy is so awesome that it covers the multitude of sin, do I continue doing it? God forbid.
So it's important that as we align our lives with the word of God and we start to perceive God in a different light, that we recognize his holiness. We come in line with his holiness. We recognize our position in our flesh and we yield ourselves to him to become greater and mightier. You see, because it says in the Bible, and I'll get to it, it says that humility comes before honor. We want to rush into these places of honor of God and we're not wailing and waiting to just stand in a place of humility before him. Amen. Michael, I love that you take your shoes off, dude. Because this is holy ground. This sanctuary in every place you play and lay down and declare and proclaim the goodness of God and the deliverance of the Lord is holy ground. Do we perceive our homes as holy ground? Do we perceive our workplaces as holy ground? How many interactions with holy ground do you have in your life? One, none, some? I pray it becomes every day that every place that you walk because it says be ye holy because I am holy and everywhere that you present and represent Jesus you are presenting the holiness of God. And therefore, the place in which you are, God, is and is holy. Amen. So therefore, God, in every encounter in my life, I'm going to represent you well. I'm going to understand that the presence of God is here. Even if the other person doesn't. Right. I'm going to love them so well. That they're going to like one way. They're going to love them in so many ways that they're going to have to like one of them. Dad, and they're all going to be from you. Amen. And it's my prayer and hope that in this planting and watering, you see, because we get, we get confused that our job is to bring people into church and make sure that they receive the Holy Ghost or just receive Jesus as their Lord and personal Savior. And that somehow or another we've raised up this Christian and it's some beautiful thing. But you know what? It's not on us to... To grow, it's on us to plant and water. That's it. Point blank. Period. It's what the word says. I can't give it to you any plainer. This is the simple man's observation. We plant and we water. So yeah, we don't like the sin talk. We like to say Jesus covered our sin. That's true. But true only if Calvary covers your life. Amen. So as we were talking about sin and applying Calvary to our life, that's just it. It's allowing scripture to override personal feelings, to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, to lay down the flesh and the pleasures thereof, Psalms 33 states it well. It says, sing joyfully to the Lord. You're righteous. You're righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. 
Praise the Lord with the harp. Make music to him on the ten-stringed lyre. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made. Their starry host, by the breath of his mouth, he gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let's the, let all the earth fear him. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. The Lord foils the plans of the nation. He thwarts the plans of the people. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purpose of his heart through all generations. And it continues for the sake of time. I'll go ahead and cut it there. And it continues talking about blessed is the nation. And it talks about that no king is saved. And that the eye of the Lord is on the people who fear him. And that the hope is in the Lord of the help. And then it talks about our hearts rejoicing to trust in his holy name. Do you see God like that? Do you see him? as the maker of the stars? Do you see him as the keeper of your existence? Do you see him as your all in all, your everything, every piece that you could ever desire? It, can, do you fathom him like that? If you don't, I entreat you to. Amos, I'm not going to read it, 5, 1 through 15, but I will give you the, the cliff notes because it's important to see that when the Bible starts to talk about the fear of the Lord, these men who wrote it had good reason. They were there. They saw it. They saw the terribleness of the Lord. They saw what he could do when the wrath of him got kindled up. And Amos 5 starts to talk about the wrath of the Lord. And it sums up in 14 and 15 of, of uh, Amos 5. It says, seek good, not evil, that you may live. Then the Lord God Almighty will be with you just as he says he is. Hate evil and love good. It is our responsibility to see God as both the judge and the lover, the judger and the lover, because he is both characteristics. There is going to come a day. You know, we we read that. Um, we've read the back of the book, man, and we win. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. We win. We win when we apply this entirety from the Genesis to that scripture and then after that scripture to the end. When all of that matters in our life. He is both jealous and love. He is both kindness and wrath. The wrath of God will be unleashed on an unrepented people. I can't, I can't tell you all of the beauty of God and not come back here to Revelation and be like, ah, oh, it's all symbolism. Don't worry about that. He's a God of love. Super symbolism. I'm definitely not gonna, definitely not gonna crush this earth and definitely not gonna bring judgment and hellstone and fire. I can't say that. Because I read the I read this thing literally. I read it literally that when it talks about him being my shield and buckler, that he really is my shield and my buckler. Amen. I read it literally that says, when all hope is lost, my hope is found in Jesus. Amen. I read it literally that says, when I can't sleep and I'm restless and I have anxiety, that I can cast all my cares on him because he cares for me. Amen. 
How can I not believe Revelation if I if I or how can I believe how can I believe John 3:16 if I can't believe Revelation 16 and 9? I mean I I've got to be able to understand and, and agree in alignment my life with the entirety of the Word of God, no matter how it makes me feel inside. Amen. If you're not catching it yet, I'm really talking about relationship this morning. You know, skip ahead, we're really, I'm just going to go ahead and move on into the last part of the message. A rush must go. Well, it boils down to this. It is important that I Philip Smith, fall in line with the Word of God because it is important that my life is in preparation to be a witness for Him. He didn't save me from drugs and alcohol, from anger and bitterness and hatred. He didn't save me from destruction for no reason. Amen. That I could just enjoy my son and my daughter and my wife. Darren, as you were up here playing, God spoke to me. He said, son, it's no coincidence Darren's playing today. It's no coincidence in the suit taking me back to the old school. I've never lost my fear or my reverence for God, but I wanted to display it today in even my clothes. We've come to a place in, in time where we're like, yeah, you know what? We used to preach in jackets, but you know, now we can go ahead and preach without a jacket because the world says it's all right. And then we were at a place where we were like, yeah, you know, Used to preaching ties, but now, ah, psh, things are stuffy, man. Yeah. Trust me, I'm not going to reveal my hairy shoulders <laughs> to my undershirt. But we've come to that place to where we've just gotten so comfortable with God that are we at a place, even in our comfortableness, that we revere Him? Mm. If not, we should, and if we do, then great. Why did I bring up Darren? Because almost four years ago, Darren shows up at my house through some kin of his that were staying there for a couple days, and Darren and Haley had to stay at our house as well. My first words to Darren were, hello, Philip Smith. Shook his hand, and I said, welcome to my home. Before he stepped inside, I said, if there's any awkwardness to be had, it's on you. So come on in. Amen. You're not going to be awkward to me, and I'm not awkward in my own home. This might be a little weird because we don't know each other, but we'll get over that. Started walking beside Darren and Haley, planting as many little seeds and watering them as much as we could. Watching their babies grow or their baby grow, but then the second one. Baptizing Haley in the Galton River and 
baptizing Darren at C3 Church. When I baptized Haley, Darren said this to me. I don't know if he remembers, but he said this. He said, yeah, I had that feeling once that I needed that. But then it went away because my daddy didn't do nothing. And it never came back. Oh, wow. And I said in a steel confidence, I said, it will. It will. Mm. Inside my human flesh, he said, God, he's like, It's okay. It's okay to be human in all of this pursuit of the holy God. Let me translate what that scripture says and means for you finally as we get to the end of this. Probably would have helped if I did it in the beginning, but I saved it for now for on purpose. This isn't an accident. Be love because I am love. Amen. Make this house a house of love for your pastor and for your pastor. Like, the love for your pastor is important, man. To lift them up and to say, hey, I'll follow you into the fire. Make your relationships important. Make your, make your marriages important, your husband or your wife. Make your children important. Make them important enough to say good godly things. Because what you get out of all this planting and all this watering is a Darren and Haley in your life. To take a microphone, the microphone I'm preaching on. Praise the Lord with all of your heart. To sit there in the back, Michael, and watch him lead today. It's huge. Like a ginormous proud papa. So I end this with a couple questions. Number one, how do you see God? At what level of relationship are you with him? Do you know him really well? Do you know him at all? Do you want to know him? Are you at a place to where you're like, man, I am fueled up by this relationship and now I want to take it to a different level, God. Man, I prayed in my walk with God before in this pursuit of him. I don't even know what this means, but I want to go deeper. <laughs> yeah, I, I read that scripture that I prayed over us, Michael, a long, long time ago, man. That was my saying when I read it. Like he's calm. I was like, oh, I don't even know what those deep waters look like, but man, I want to drown in you. Amen. And that's that's a profound statement from a young kid, Christian, baby Christian. I want to drown in you. I want to die to you, God. I want my life to be dead and your life in me to be alive. You guys might have heard me say it once or 1,000 times in your life if you've ever been around me worshiping. I shout, come on, Jesus. 
And you might think that I'm thinking that I'm like talking like, woo, like pom poms, like, yeah, come on, Jesus. But that's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is, come on, Jesus. In my life, I need you right now. No matter what that looks like, I need you to come in and stir this heart of mine up. And I need you to just in the stirring of it, let the bad boil to the surface if there be any bad. Come on, Jesus. Convict me and lay it on me. Let me feel your presence. And when I feel your presence, let me lay prostrate in it. Come on, Jesus. Change the atmosphere. Change this room. Change lives. Change hearts. Come on, Jesus. Amen. I'm praying for the depths of God to roll like a flood into the building and into my life. But into my life first and then into yours. Because it would be bad and naive of me to say to my neighbors or my friends or to uh, uh, my children or my wife that there's correction that needs to be done if at first I'm not willing to be corrected. So I love you guys so very much. God is so good. It was a pleasure coming here to worship with you. guess I should get to the second question. So at what level do you know God? Um, second question is, what are you willing to do to make a, a new commitment to him? And third is more of a statement than a question that in that, when you find that commitment, make an action plan that sets that into, uh, sets that into action. Make a plan that sets it into action. Yeah. Michael, you want to take us or who's meant to take this over and close it? I've got the closing, so we're just going to close out in prayer. And I love you guys very much. So, Jesus, we thank you so very much. And we just, just grace and mercy over this service, God. You're a holy God, and I love you. And I praise you, and I worship you. And, Lord, let my life be aligned with your word. Let my life just come into full submission of your word. Just let this flame and this desire to know you deeper in that word. For me, God, let it just become so real every day. God, I'm praying new convictions on me as I read the word, Jesus, that my life would come in line with you, that I would be a, a willing vessel to be more and readily used, to be, to be a, a lover of people, a lover of my church, a lover of, of obedience, Jesus. I just love you, Lord. And I just ask these things in Jesus' holy and mighty and powerful name. Amen. Amen. Be blessed. Dude, you're, you're something else I've really felt, felt on that. <laughs>